Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. Well, Rosie O'Donnell's disgusting. I mean, both inside and out. You take a look at her, she's a slob. He is wrong. The gentleman is wrong. The gentleman is providing cover for his colleagues rather than doing the right thing. By winning, I win here and I win there. Now what? All right. Good morning, everyone. How we doing? Good to see you. Glad you're here. Hey. Thrilled you're here, especially even if you're just joining us, what we're doing is we're kind of ending this series we've been calling The Missing Element, which really has been about one big idea, that is humility. What we're suggesting is that this was kind of the, the central characteristic of Jesus Christ highlighted in Philippians, but it's really the missing ingredient in our world today. Our culture is one of kind of like ego and fame and narcissism and self-promotion, put yourself at the front. But the question we're asking is, how do you live a truly powerful life? Not how do you gain power, but how do you live a powerful life? How do you become truly great in God's eyes? Not Donald Trump great. We're talking Mother Teresa great. You know, less Kanye, more MLK. You understand? We, we want to be world changers, people whose lives impact others in such a way that the culture actually comes in line with God's kingdom so that it's less about us and more about Christ. John the Baptist put it this way. He said, I must decrease so Christ can what? increase. You got it. That's what humility is about. It's saying, you know what? Christ is greater than me. Christ is greater than me. I have to become less so he can become more. People can see him. And Philippians says, your attitude is supposed to be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who considered your needs ahead of his own. And so what we do then is we reciprocate. He gave up his life for us. So now we live to serve him and serve others. So it's not just that Christ is greater than you, but you are greater than me. Can you say that? You are greater than me. I think we have established this as a concept. But today, I want to make this very, very practical. Like, how do you intentionally practice humility in your key relationships, wherever you are? How do you actually work this kind of in there in a practical way? Because um, if we just, like, agree to this conception, like, oh, yeah, humility is important. Thumbs up, Tim. Uh, that doesn't help. How do you put this into everyday practice wherever you find yourself, at home, at work, school, the office, whatever it is? Today, I'm going to get down and dirty. Can you say down and dirty? Down and dirty. We're going to get very practical. And what I mean by that is we're going to look at something that Jesus did that I'm hoping is going to inspire you to roll up your sleeves and get down and dirty this week and put this into action. So heads up, I know school's out, but you got homework today. All right, I'm just letting you know you're going to go home with some homework God's given you assignment, and that is to identify one practical way that you can model humility this week in a key relationship. So would you open your Bible? Let's start there. Open your Bible to John chapter 13. Um, this is, you're going to discover in a minute why I say down and dirty, because this is really a key 
um, moment in the life of Jesus Christ. And what you're going to read here is what he did to demonstrate humility and do one of the dirtiest jobs in all of Scripture. This is a dirty, dirty job. How many of you have ever seen that show, Dirty Jobs, with Mike Rowe? Have you seen that? Yeah, okay. It's, I love the show. It's a TV show that kind of showcases the foulest, dirtiest, stinkiest, nastiest jobs on the planet. Basically, the host, Mike Rowe, travels to these job sites where he demonstrates, like, this is how you, like, muck out a city septic tank. You know, you're like, who does that, and what's involved, you know? I've seen him actually hike into a cave to collect um, fecal matter from bats so they could make fertilizer, dirty jobs, or he'll clean out like an octopus, you know, in a, in a seafood factory. I actually, want one episode, I, I watched him artificially inseminate a cow. It was just like, wow, dirty jobs. It's a nasty business. Basically, like, the, the messier, dirtier, stinkier, the better. And I think the task that Jesus performs here in John 13 would make a great episode, okay? I think this would qualify. So look at with me, John 13. Let's read this together. It says, it was just before the Passover feast, and uh, Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Now look at this. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So what's he do? So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. Then Lord, Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And, and, and Jesus answered, no, a, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That, this is significant. You know, unless I wash you, you don't have part with me. What's he talking about? Now look at verse 12. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place and said, you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, let's read this together. You also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent them. And now that you know these things, you will be, what's the word? You'll be blessed if you do them. All right, let's just stop right there. Let's talk about dirty jobs. Uh, even if you're, you're a casual Bible reader, you've probably heard this famous account of Jesus kind of washing his followers' feet. It's actually kind of a weird custom. We don't really do it today. Uh, but this was something Jesus did to demonstrate to his disciples. How do you work humility into everyday practice? Like, what is something you actually do? And, and basically, after washing their feet, getting down and dirty, it says in verse 15, he said, I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. In other words, Jesus is like, this is an example. This is a model. I'm about to give you a template for, for how you can practice humility in the service of people that you love. Not only that, he says, if you do it, I'm going to promise you something. You see verse 17, there's a promise. He says, now that you know these things, you'll be what? You'll be blessed if you do them. There's going to be a special blessing for you if you do this. In other words, Jesus is like, I don't want to just talk about humility. I want to show you how this works, and then I want you to do it. And what Jesus shows us here is that humility, putting this into practice in your life, 
really has three key qualities, and that is if you're taking notes, Jesus shows us that true biblical humility is stinky, number one, (laughs) meaning to be humble means you could be featured on dirty jobs. Number two, it's shocking. True humility contains this element of surprise that people who witness or experience say, whoa, why would would he do that? Why would she do that? And then thirdly, Christ-like humility is sublime. That means it inspires awe because of how beautiful and actually brilliant it is. It actually takes people's breath away because they say, who would do this? Stinky, shocking, and sublime. That's what humility is in everyday terms. And I want to show you how these three qualities work together and hopefully now get you thinking about a humble act of service you could do this week in the life of somebody that you love. Are you ready to go? Let's start with the first one. Stinky. Humility stinky. You know how I know it's summer, by the way? I can smell you. Um, every, every, first off, everybody's starting to wear flip-flops, right? It's like I, see, I don't see you coming. I smell you coming. Uh, just kidding. Most of you have fine feet. Most of you, I'll just uh, acknowledge that. But some people say, well, isn't you know, wearing flip-flops in church disrespectful? It's not. Actually, it's more biblical than you think. Um, in the first century Middle East, pretty much everybody either wore bare feet or they wore sandals. I don't know if they were Tevas or Crocs or Uggs or whatever. But in you know, ancient Israel, everybody wore sandals and traveled by foot, okay? People wore long distances in bare feet. And the roads are made of dirt. There are rocks. So if, if you invited someone over for dinner, a barbecue, When they got there, their dogs were barking. Their feet were filthy, sometimes even cut or scraped or bleeding. And so what would happen is the moment your guests arrived, you'd say, oh, come on in. What do you want to drink? No, that's what we say. You would say in the first century, come on in. I'll have my servant wash your feet. This was hospitality. And what they do is you would call your house servant, and he would actually kneel down, and you put your foot in the bowl, and he would rinse the guest's feet. He would, he would actually pour off the grime and the dirt, maybe apply lotion or balm, repair any cracks or cuts they may have, and then actually rinse them off again and then, and then dry them with a towel. And that was how you showed hospitality to your guests. And it was a dirty job. It literally stunk. Some of you know what I'm talking about. This past week at the liquid office, I took a brief photo survey of feet. Um, here are some pictures of your pastoral staff and other people uh, who serve you. Can you tell whose feet are whose? Take, get a close-up. Can we get a close-up here? Take a look at this guy's feet. Anyone want to take a guess which pastor? Oh, good guess, because they're scabby, right? You think it's Mike. No. This is, uh, this is Pastor Peter. And if you notice, he actually has scabs on his feet from surfing. He was surfing down in the Outer Banks, which I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Now, contrast that. Well, look at these sweet feet. That's amazing. Aren't they nice? She had those painted up, you know, it's like all, all those of you with foot fetish, you're stumbling right now. That's like, those are nice feet right there. That's Katie uh, in our creative department. Over here, now let's just contrast this. Just take a look at this junks. And, oh, <laughs> did you hear that? Somebody goes, Tom, Pastor Tom, right there. That's amazing that you knew that. <laughs> you know that verse that says, how beautiful the feet of those who bring good news? Not so much, okay, in this case. That's just the second set. Take a look at this second set of feet over here. Uh, these you maybe can't see, they're actually size 12. Those are Pastor Rich. He's got some, some big dogs there. Uh, all natural, Hosil, very nice feet. She doesn't do the polish. She doesn't do anything, you know, very nice, very, very natural. And then over here, does anyone want to take a guess? That's Pastor Chris in Nutley. That's actually amazing. So just kind of, he came from, straight from his petty, right? It's kind of a... Humility stinks, okay, literally, It often involves doing an unglamorous, unsexy, dirty job for someone you care about that powerfully demonstrates your care. In fact, check this out. The task of washing feet 
was considered so low, so degrading, that Jewish slaves were forbidden to do it. Only the lowliest Gentile slaves could perform this degrading task. So, so what Jesus is showing us is that to practice humility, one of the most powerful ways to show it is when you're willing to do something unglamorous and a dirty job that no one else is willing to do. Can I have a volunteer? I need a volunteer now from the congregation. Right now, can you shoot your hand up if you're right up there? Come on up. Ben? Come on up, big boy. Here, give Ben a hand. Come on up. What's up? What's... Wow. Okay. Oh, we got big Ben. This is good times. Have a seat here, Ben. Come on. Pull forward here. Wow. The... Dude, I was not expecting feet that large. That is remarkable, man. What size, what size feet do you have? Uh, 13 wide. Thir 13 wide. We may be here a while. This is going to... This may take a little bit here. Okay, let's, let's, oh my goodness. Holy, dude, this is the size of my forearm. That's remarkable, man. That's incredible. All right. Um, are you an athlete? Yeah. I can tell you have athlete's foot. So that's, uh, <laughs> what you'd simply do here is, when I invited Ben in, the, the lowliest servant in the house would just simply rinse his, does that feel good? Yeah. It's, ah, it's nice, right? And what they may even do is actually take a balm or a lotion and begin kneading it in. Just, how's that? <laughs> we're, we're having a moment here, man. We're, this is good. Washing them there, and then rinse them off one more time. And, and they would go around the table and do this to basically anybody who came in. And again, it was for the lowliest person in the house. A Jewish slave couldn't do it. A Gentile, someone who's just a total peon, that's the person who would get this job. How's that? Pretty sweet? Yeah. Could you give Ben a hand? I appreciate this, man. Thank you very much, dude. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just goes, what about the other foot? Yeah, come back to the second service. I'll do the other foot, man. That's good. And, uh, and so you kind of get the idea, right? Dirty jobs, stinky feet. You kind of get how this works. And, and what's incredible here is that Jesus is saying, hey, if you're willing to get down and dirty and do something sort of degrading, but out of love and service as unto Christ, it communicates powerfully to people who are watching. For now, for instance, right now, you may not know this, but there are people in this building who are practicing humility on your behalf right now, and it literally stinks. We have volunteers at Liquid Kids who are taking care of your babies, your infants, your toddlers, and let me tell you something, some of them should get combat pay. Uh, every week I get a, a little note from our director who always tells me about the above and beyond tasks some of our vol volunteers routinely do. And a few weeks ago, uh, she writes me, she says, Tim, you have to write Jessica Chung a thank you letter. And I was like, why? And he said, well, Jessica's been actually working to build this relationship with a toddler who, who has never made it through a full service. She's never made it through a complete service with kids. And the dad was just like desperate. He's like, please, can you just help with this? So, so we said, okay, no problem. And Jessica took the toddler and gave the dad a pager. And the moment the father left the room, this is unbelievable, the toddler actually made herself gag and projectile vomited all over Jess and herself. They're just covering it the moment the dad leaves. Now, at that moment, right, you've got to try, I, what would you do, right? You, you know what I would, <laughs> I'd be like, give me that pager, take your exorcist baby back, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> that's not what Jess did. Jess actually took her to the bathroom, began singing her a song, cleaned her up, and by the end of the experience, she not only made it through the whole service, she was so attached to Jess, she didn't want to go back to her dad. Folks, that's humility. Give a hand for people who serve with humility every week. That's literally putting into practice this idea of you are greater than me. I'm actually going to roll up my sleeves and perform an unglamorous, dirty job for the glory of Christ. You understand this? Humility stinks. 
but it's of great worth in the master's eyes. So quality one leads to question number one for you. I put it in your notes. Is there a dirty job that you can perform this week for people in your care? You know, maybe it's helping an older relative, you know, uh, eat or perform some basic function, you know, caring for them if they're sick. In our culture today, a lot of times we outsource that, like, oh, the professionals come in and check on them. But you know what? There's something powerful about doing that yourself sometimes. If you're a kid, how about actually cleaning up the poop in the backyard, okay? I don't mean to pick on it it's because I know I have a puppy and everything, but you know how this works, right? The kids say, oh, no, we'll take care of it. And then guess who does it? You know, us, how, kids, how about honoring your parents, okay? Little things like that, a neighbor in need, putting their needs ahead of your own. Maybe it's a kid with special needs in your neighborhood or your classroom or whatever, but I want you to understand this. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus said, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about you. And to demonstrate the depth of my love for you and my care for you, I'm going to actually take up a towel and a basin and a pitcher of water and perform one of the unsexiest tasks in the ancient world and wash your feet. And you know what? It was shocking. I don't, I don't mean just like surprising, like, whoa. I mean shocking. This was startling to people who witnessed it. Take a look at this ancient piece of art we uncovered. This is from a mosaic from the Nia Monastery in Greece. And uh, it depicts Jesus washing the feet of Peter in, in, in John here. Take a look at Peter. What do you notice about him? What's the expression on his face? Look at him, right? He's like, he's like scratching his head. He's like confused. He's like startled. He's like, what, what's going on? And you know why? Because the artist actually reflected what the text says. It says the moment Jesus got down on his hands and knees to wash Peter, Peter objected. Peter actually said, he said, he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, all right, Peter, you don't unrealize what I'm doing right now, but later you'll understand? No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have what? You have no part with me. See, humility contains the element of surprise because no one expects somebody of your stature, your power, your social standing, your authority, to stoop to such a level. I mean, have you ever seen somebody who, like, actually is a pretty powerful person, but they just, like, forget how they look and focus like a laser need on the basic needs of someone else? See, humility at its core, guys, is about wowing people with your love. It surprises people beneath you when they see you use your power to serve them. Peter recognized Jesus' power with, with, with a shock. This, he's actually saying, he said, Lord, no, are you kidding me? You're the Lord. He's actually thinking, like, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm saying, this is God in the flesh, and, and he's washing my feet like a slave. You're the master. I'm the student. He's wowed. Question for you, those of you who are in power, you maybe have people work for you at the office, in the workplace. Has anyone ever been wowed by your humility? Let me, let me take this out of the realm of the home and the family and move it into the office or wherever it is you work. If you work nine to five for a living, especially those of you who are bosses. If you're in charge, you have people working for you. When was the last time you used your position of power and influence to humbly serve someone beneath you? Not to get them to do something for you, but simply to do something for them to show your care and concern for that individual. I have a, a morning ritual. I go to 7-Eleven and get coffee. I used to be a Starbucks guy, but now I go to 7-Eleven. Partly it's because I'm cheap, uh, and I feel like when I get that coffee, it's like I'm getting away with something. Uh, you know. And they have a great selection. I get blueberry coffee with this. It's, the creamer is called Cinnabon. 
and I pour that junks in there, it is like magic. And it pumps through my veins for most of the morning. And I get this tall coffee, and I, I, I drink this coffee all throughout meetings on Monday. And so the other Monday, a guy on the creative team who's like a Starbucks side comes walking in. And he goes, oh, what's that? What, what are you drinking? I'm just like, oh, this is magic, dude. Like blueberry. Blah, blah, blah. And, and, he's, and he's, this, he's a junior guy, okay? He works for me. I'm the senior pastor, right? I'm the boss, whatever. So he's like, oh, that looks pretty good. So the next morning... I stopped by 7-Eleven, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get him a coffee. So, so I go, and I get one of the extra large ones, so it's like $1.79, you know? <laughs> I put the blueberry in it. You know, I put, I put the, uh, the Cinnabon in it. And, uh, and so I get two coffees, one for him and one for me. And so I bring these into the office. I'm carrying my stuff. And before I go to my office, which is in the corner, I'm the guy in charge of the corner office. I go to his office, which is way in the back. He's with the other guys in their 20s and everything. And it's hilarious because I'm like, knock, knock, knock with my knee. And it opens up, and he's in there with these other guys who are in their, in their 20s, and suddenly it's like the principal just showed up. They're like, hey, hey, wait, hey, hey, Tim, you know, kind of. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's okay if you're playing Angry Birds. Like, I understand, you know, kind of like what's going on here. And I was like, uh, here's, here's, yeah, I got this for you. Here's your coffee, buddy. You know, I, ho I hope you like it. And I hand him the cup, and suddenly everyone's eyes go, <gasps> And I was like, Okay, boys, I'll see you later. And like, I, I, I walked out, and as the door closed, I hear all this like murmuring, like, dude, he brought you coffee, man. He brought you coffee. What'd you do? And I'm walking back, and I suddenly realize like how this looked. The, the guy in charge, yeah, is bringing the junior guy coffee. But see, this wasn't premeditated. <laughs> I brought him coffee for one reason. He's my friend. <laughs> I like the guy. And that's when it struck me. True humility is not when you flaunt your position and lord it over people, but it's you when you use your power to serve and bless them just because of who they are. You actually care about them. And that communicates volumes because it surprises people that you actually care more about the person than just getting them to do stuff for you. You understand? This is a model for every single one of you who holds power. You hold a position of power in your workplace or office. You have report, people report to you. There's an amazing detail here in verse 3. Look what it says. Jesus knew that the Father had put, say it together, all things under his power. In other words, don't miss this. This is the crowning moment of Jesus' ministry. He knew everything had been put under his power. All authority in heaven and earth and under the earth. He's the most powerful person in the room, in the universe. And what does he recognize? The minute he recognizes, I have all the power, he got up from the meal and he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. What's going on here? In the first century, guys, your outer clothing, your robe, was a symbol of one thing, your authority. If you were a man in charge, you wore a good-looking robe. I'm the man. I'm wearing the mantle of authority here. And when Jesus recognized I have all power and authority at this moment, what does he do? He takes it off and turns it into an apron. He says, I'm going to use my power to serve you in the humblest of ways. That's greatness. Jesus is powerfully communicating here, guys, that even when God gives you authority and he increases your influence, never be too big to do the small stuff. It is very powerful, especially if you have people under you. If you're in a meeting tomorrow morning with direct reports, what does it do when it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room? <laughs> Jesus gives you the answer. He says, you intentionally shed your symbol of authority and in humility serve those who follow you. 
Boss says, I dare you to try this. I dare you to try this this week. Try bringing coffee to your junior employees. It will freak them out. It will change the way they look at you. That young dude, it's funny, the, the guy I brought coffee to, we talked about it, and he was like, uh, Tim, he goes, here's the deal. The last church that I worked at, the senior level guys were three floors above everybody else, literally, in the, in the office. And we called the pastor the heavenlies because they were up here. So you guys, the world tells you that you gain authority by pulling rank, by flexing your muscle, by raising your voice, by flaunting how much power I have so people see that. And you know what? You can get people to do stuff that way, but you will never win their heart. You'll never earn their trust. You actually will not get what matters more, their loyalty, their allegiance to you. I am convinced that humility is the missing element in most workplaces today, especially in the corporate world. Simple, humble, servant leadership a la Jesus Christ. So question for those of you with power in the workplace. Has anybody who follows you been wowed by your humility? Or do they just follow you because you can fire them? You can dock their pay. They don't really have a choice. Obey or else, because that's how the world works. But that's not how Christ's kingdom works. The kingdom of Jesus Christ, the most powerful person in the room, is the servant of all. Jesus served his followers in spite of who he was, master, lord. And in spite of who they were, a bunch of bumbling idiots. These were not junior employees. Look at the response of proud Peter. Lord, you're going to wash my feet? Never. And Jesus answered, no, 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 Peter. Unless I wash you, you have no place with me. And what's Peter say? I, I'm amazing. Then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. <laughs> what a jack cheese, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's always the, he's always the smart guy, you know? Proud Peter didn't deserve a foot wash from Christ. But humility has nothing to do with deserving. Humility is rooted in grace, which is God's lavish love and compassion extended to anybody who's humble enough to receive it. And that is truly sublime. Sublime. You know what sublime means? It's one of those old school words. It means awe-inspiring because something's like so beautiful, so like epic. You're like, I never would have thought of that. That music is sublime. It is so excellent. It's supreme. And Jesus' model to us here of humility is truly sublime because it doesn't just say that Jesus washed Peter's feet. It actually doesn't just say that Peter washed John's feet. It doesn't say that he washed 10 or 11 out of the 12 disciples' feet. It says he washed all the disciples' feet, which means that included Judas. If you look at your Bible, look at verse 2. Notice how Judas is spotlighted at the beginning of this passage. And then again at the end when Jesus hands him a piece of bread and says, go do what I, I know is about to happen. You're about to betray me. And this is, to me, this is like the hardest aspect of all this to consider. But Jesus, he washed the feet of his betrayer, of the person who was about to give him the kiss of death, the person who's about to stab him in the back, the turncoat who'd sell him out hours later. I want you to think about this. Jesus not only had all the power in the room, he had the full knowledge that this is the person who would wound him gravely. And what does he do? He gets down on his knees, says, I'm going to serve you too. And he washes the feet of his enemy. Just let that sink in for a minute. I mean, it's one thing to wash the feet of your friends. But your enemy, guys, that takes grace. Grace. And in Christ's kingdom, it does not get any greater than this. I was talking um, recently with a man whose daughter 
was graduating, and, uh, and he was uh, from high school, and he came to see me because he was both excited and dreading the graduation at the same time. Excited because he was a single dad, he'd raised his daughter, excited for his daughter's achievement, but dreading seeing his ex-wife. All right, anybody can relate, relate to this? All right. His divorce had been acrimonious, uh, his ex-wife was bitter, she was always bad-mouthing him, she'd run him down any chance she had. But in the wake of that divorce, he actually became a Christian, he became a follower of Christ, okay? Because everything kind of shattered, and it was just like, I can't pick up the pieces, I need God, and he found Christ, and he gets a fresh start, my sins are cleansed, etc. And so he starts, not only does he begin a new life with Christ, but he had a new question, and here's why he came to me. He said, Pastor Tim, what do I do to forgive my ex-wife? Like, I know, like, I've forgiven her, but how can I make peace? How can I show the love of Christ to someone I don't really love? Challenging question. That's a good question. So we start talking about, like, grace and forgiveness and all that, and he's just like, but I need a practical example. What do I do on graduation day? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, pastors don't have answers for this kind of stuff all, all the time. And, and it wasn't until after his daughter's graduation that I, that I heard back. Apparently, what he did is this. On the day of graduation, he ordered this beautiful corsage for his daughter, like one of those wrist jobbers, you know, like orchids and everything. And then he ordered a second one for his wife, his ex-wife. Now, let's just pause here, real life. Why did he do that? Not because he loved his ex. That was, like, over. But he loved his daughter, and he loved his God. And he knew that Christ wanted him to make peace with her. So he prayed about it. He said, God, you got to give me the courage, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And he's telling me this on the phone. I'm like, dude, what happened? <laughs> and he's like, two things. One, she was shocked. Two, it shut her up. He was, he kind of like, he was like, why? Okay, stop. Why? When a Christ follower, yeah, takes the risk to show grace to his enemy, to bless her betrayer, it changes the dynamic. It is the only way you have a chance of transforming the relationship. He said, Tim, I saw her coming across the parking lot, and typically I'd hide in my car and like wait till she goes by and everything, avoid her. But I get out of my car, I called her name out, and I walked right up her, and I said, you know what, this is for you. I know we have had a rough go of it. Let me just, let me finish. But our daughter has become a beautiful woman, and I'm so grateful for the role you've played as her mother in her becoming that beautiful woman. And I just want to thank you sublime, brilliant, soulful, beautiful, makes your jaw drop. My friend's humility, the act of adorning someone who'd, who'd wounded him, it meant he was taking a risk, but somewhere in the process, he's like, Tim, my heart actually softened. In fact, they not only enjoyed a civilized graduation, they actually went out for lunch as a family. It was the first time they were all together since the divorce. Incredible. He said, Tim, just that simple act, a bunch of, you know, stupid flowers, but I offered it sincerely. He said, Christ did something inside of me, and it softened me, and it softened the dynamic, and, and we're not getting back together, but, but I realize I can, I, I can treat her as somebody who I can still love in Christ and show kindness to, even though she has wounded me deeply. How does God define greatness? When you wash your enemy's feet. What was it like for Jesus to wash Judas's feet? Knowing he was about to betray him for 30 pieces of silver, stab him in the back, deliver the fatal kiss. And, and, and Jesus, in his final act, he doesn't strike back or protect himself, but rather he stoops to simply serve. Feet in those days were not just dirty. They typically were cut up, bleeding. They had nicks because dirt roads. And washing them not only cleaned, but would sometimes heal and restore and prevent infection. That's what grace does. 
See, the symbol of washing, guys, this isn't just about water. Jesus poured the pitcher, but moments later, he took a cup. He said, this isn't water in here. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And unless I wash you on the what? On the inside, you have no part with me. Jesus washed the feet of Peter. He washed the feet of Judas, and he offers to wash you. He actually says that to you. He says, unless I wash you on the inside, you have no part with me. So my question is simply, have you been washed? Have you, have you received that kind of cleansing on the inside of your heart by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for your sin? Because that's why he went to the cross, to cleanse you and then make you capable of living this transformed life. His spirit lives through you. Guys, it is all, if you're sitting here today, just kind of be honest right now, I know some of you are objecting to this because you're just like, Tim, you don't know what they did to me. I could never do that. I'm not, I agree with you. You can't do this. It's only until you humble yourself and receive the grace of Christ, the washing of his blood, then you get the power to wash the feet of your enemy. Amen? So here's the challenge right now as we conclude our series. And this week, you put humility into practice. Like Jesus said to his followers. What's he say? Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should what? Say it together. Wash one another's feet. I've set for you an example. Here's a model. Here's a template that you should do as I have done for you. This week, how are you going to put this into practice? Maybe God's asking you to bless your ex. I don't know. Maybe it's to serve your enemy. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's somebody at work, somebody you're always throwing elbows with or a competitor or a rival, and you actually invite them out to lunch. I don't know what it is. That's humility, though. And I understand you may object, well, that would be risky. That would be, that'd be putting myself out there. You don't know what they did to me. I don't know what they did to you, but I know what Christ did for you and what he promises to do if you will actually trust him and obey. He says, now that you know these things, you'll be what? Blessed if you do them. The Bible says there's a special blessing waiting for people who not only intellectually agree with humility as a concept, but who follow through and get down and dirty and actually do it. So this week, you've got homework, and it is to roll up your sleeves and get dirty. Be doers of the word, not just hearers. I printed this assignment in your notes. Would you look at it? It says, this week, develop your humility muscle by exercising it in a stinky, shocking, or sublime way. <laughs> Maybe it's at home with, with your spouse or the kids or at the office. Bosses, try this. I dare you to try this, okay? Surprise your employees this week by doing a sincere, symbolic act that communicates your care for them. Not just what they do for you, but your care for them. Bonus points if it puts you beneath them. But, but just, I'm warning you, watch out. Word will get around, okay? Also, it's like, he did what for who? No way. What's the deal? Just say it's an experiment. It is an exercise in servant leadership, amen? Take off your robe, your authority. Lay it down so you can serve your followers. I can't wait to see what God does this week. Let me know, okay? Would you let me know? I wanna, I'm going to actually pray for you right now. Would you do this? All our campuses, let's bow our heads just a minute. And we're going to ask the Spirit of Christ now just to come. Father, you've been listening. The Spirit of Christ is here. Um, Lord, your, your, your words are jumping off the pages. They burn like an ember in our heart, Lord, because it exposes, Lord, my own heart. My heart isn't always there. But Father, that takes humility to acknowledge that we can't live the way that you want. Father, that there is this sin orientation in us that puts ourselves first and resists you. And so we just confess that right now, Lord, your people. Father, every person in this room watching in Nutley in New Brunswick, watching online, Father, 
Right now, we just open up our hearts now to your spirit and ask, Lord, come in and change us. Wash us, Jesus. Unless you wash us, we have no part with you. And so, Father, I ask that your blood would cover every man and woman here, that you would renew us even during a time of communion, Father, and fill us with yourself, your body, your blood. Live yourself out through us and bring glory to Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and our Savior. And everybody said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.